0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Healthy Obsession. I am joined this week, as always, by my co-host Hayden. Hello, this is Hayden. And, uh, perhaps confusingly, uh, I have brought a guest on this week uh, by the name of Chris Lopez. How you doing, Chris? Yo, Chris Atkins. What's going on, brother? You good? Yeah, doing all right. So, uh, Chris was uh, a co-host of mine many years ago back in college, and... I wanted to do this episode today talking about my grief associated with Daft Punk, finally, as we've been teasing for several weeks, and uh, I thought Chris was going to be a very good voice to have on the podcast this week, so we're going to have a good one, I know it. So what happened on a Monday, right? Of all days, Daft Punk had to retire, split, we don't know yet, and it happened on a fucking Monday. Which also, like, it, it was at 10am, which meant I had gotten off work, I had showered, I was in bed, and I and I had already rolled over to go to sleep, but I rolled back over and I was like, ah, I'll check Discord one more time. And I see that somebody's posted, Daft Punk broke up. And so now, I'm all fucked up, and I have to see what's going on with that, and I open up YouTube, and I see their epilogue video, which is seven minutes, one of them blows up, they play touch at the end, and now I'm in my bedroom, again, at at like 10.30 in the morning now, and I'm crying. 25-year-old man crying in his bed because his favorite band blew up. (laughs) And I guess, like, first of all, I've never had a situation like that before because i've never been that big into music generally i didn't have like uh i think it was evanescence broke up right somebody back me up on that uh Maybe? i i saw them on uh kimmel like last week oh well i think they're back together but um i've never i've never been into music enough to have a band that like just stopped making music and for me to be sad about that mm-hmm. um so it was it was a new situation for me and then and then that on its own was a catalyst for me to then go out that morning. I said, Okay, I'm not sleeping today. I need to be at the record store in an hour and a half. I'm gonna start buying vinyl. Wow. And and so I did. I've spent a few hundred dollars on vinyl at this point. And none of those are Daft Punk vinyl, because of course those are hard to come by at this time. And and then, like, in a sleep-deprived state. I was just kind of left thinking about why this event had meant so much to me, and I, I, I really, really like Daft Punk, first of all, but then in the moment of reflection, it was like, damn, this band has really, I mean, not even a band, but like this DJ duo has been with me since almost the earliest days of childhood consciousness? Where I I even I tried to log on to an old Amazon account of my parents back when they were using like a Comcast email address, nice and and I tried to figure out when I would have ordered the DVD of Interstellar five 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 five, which if you don't know is the animated movie that they made specifically for their album Discovery, and I want to say that DVD was. possibly the first DVD I ever bought and personally owned. And I couldn't tell you how many times I played that disc, how many times I'd seen those music videos on Toonami, and just how much Discovery as an album in particular shaped my entire taste and interest to its aesthetic, to its sound, to the genre of disco. Everything about that album front to back is perfect, and I feel like you can see the waves of that style reverberate through my entire lifetime, let alone the hours I spent listening to a live 2007 in high school study hall, which was basically the soundtrack of walking between hallways and doing homework. Random Access Memories came out when, uh, like the last days of high school, where I can remember sitting in my sister's room playing Yu-Gi-Oh and listening to that album for the first time, which then transitioned me to college, and I never stopped listening to that album. And then they let us go for eight years, with a couple collabs here and there, with some very good tracks by the weekend, and and just nothing otherwise. And then to call it quits really hurt. But I get it, because they're also a duo at the top of their game all the time. Like, they've had five studio albums, and not a single one of them is a miss. They have always hit, from homework to discovery, human after all. The Tron Legacy soundtrack is pretty much the only good thing about Tron Legacy, and then to bring it all home with a fucking magnum opus of random access memories. The track Contact, which is the last on Random Access Memories, hits so much differently, eight years removed, and now post-breakup. And Chris, I know that you've pretty much always been, like in my mind, you're somebody who knows music way better than anyone else in my life. And I don't know if we ever had the chance to talk about Daft Punk, but I'm curious on if they meant anything to you, how cognizant you were of their work. I want to know what your thoughts are. So on that same Monday where you were getting
1: off of work, laying in your bed, uh, waiting to fall asleep, apparently before you heard the news, I was at work and I just got done doing my, my morning show. And I was thinking to myself, let me, I'm gonna go on Twitter before I start doing my actual like desk job. Like, all right, Whatever. And then I see the news. I believe it was Variety, like the like the movie news distributor, <laughs> and they said that Daft Punk was splitting. And oh no, that Daft Punk retired. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like what? Off of what? Like, who said this? And now everyone's picking it up, and everyone was talking about it. It was the talk of the town for a very long time, and people. In in a very in a variety of circles, whether you were a Daft Punk fan, you were a fan of music just in general. If you were one of those fans that was anxious anxiously waiting for a Daft Punk to return to Lollapalooza, like you were you were anxiously waiting to get an answer, and the epilogue was the closest thing we got to one. And I went out of my way to watch the epilogue as well. And uh, mind you, I should have been working, but you know priorities <laughs> and i i had to think to myself like i was definitely taken aback i i would not have before i don't know what was that two weeks ago i wouldn't have said that like i was a i was a fan because i think the word fan it, it carries a lot of weight chris everything you just said implies to me that you were a fan like you were the epitome of what a fan could be for an artist or for a duo for a band whatever and for me like daft punk has always been around For me, like I've always like those um those tracks you're talking about with the weekend off of Starboy, both the title track and I feel it coming. Like I feel it coming is my favorite weekend song because of Daft Punk. And like their production is almost iconic in pop music now. My favorite artist, Kanye West, one of his most successful commercial songs is him chopping and screwing harder, better, faster, stronger. (laughs) Like stronger is the title of the song. And Daft Punk has become so synonymous with him and his music especially during the era of graduation and that whole album cycle. So Daft Punk has definitely had their hands all over multiple different genres, and it's hard for them to go unnoticed. And I think that's why when I found out the news that they were splitting, retiring, breaking up, whatever word you want to use, I was just taken aback by like, damn. Like, because that's an era. A whole era of of popular music just ended right there with Daft Punk. And all these folks who grew up listening to Daft Punk, getting to work with Daft Punk, seeing Daft Punk in concert. I, as someone who recently became a fan of music festivals, had become of the, of the mindset, like, I would love to see a set with Daft Punk. Like Because th- like, they're so iconic. That name carries so much weight. and they, And it went away without these two robots actually telling me what's going on. These robots have a publicist and apparently their publicist said something. Yeah, and and even
0: that was kind of a cryptic message that didn't give a whole lot of backstory. Exactly. Yeah, they split up and that's it. So, and I and I know
1: that we, I know like why we haven't seen them in a while is because uh, one of them had been dealing with some real life issues. Because uh, these robots have souls. So, um, I, I wonder... I wonder if they'll ever make some type of appearance. I know nothing's ever truly gone. If uh, like all these folks are, all these old bands are reuniting and people are bearing the hatchet shit. Genesis is was about to go on tour before COVID happened. So it's like, okay, like anything's possible, but it just came out of nowhere. A random Monday in February. It, and it wasn't like a, Oh, we're going to drop one more album tour one more time. And then we're done. No, they just like, no, we're, we're
0: good. I, I think we're okay now. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, the live music aspect because uh, I, I too, like I said, listening to Alive 2007, I think Alive 2007 is some of their best work and it was a live concert event. And I think now that they're done, like I've seen Ninja Sex Party and Twerp in concert. And now since I can never see Daft Punk in concert, I'm pretty sure live music is dead to me. I, th- I think I'm done. I think I've done anything I care about,
1: and like that's that's the craziest part, right? Like, the, like the, those are your your you had artists that you wanted to see because you're such a big fan of seeing them, and or want, you're such a big fan of them, so you wanted to see them, and I, I I was just so taken aback because there was a whole different pocket of fandom for Daft Punk that every single year. When music when music festival lineups would come out, whether it's Bonnaroo, Coachella, Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits, people would be like, "All right, per circle for Daft Punk, like they're going to come back every single year." And as a guy who just started doing that in the last few years of his life, I also got invested in that. Like, yo, Daft Punk would be awesome because that would be the go-to set for anybody. The, like everyone at hundred thousand people in Chicago. Inside of Grant Park Would go see Daft Punk No doubt about it And To go back on that um, Like the The 2007 Alive album Right Like I saw a guy On Twitter from, Who's from Chicago Said he was at Lollapalooza The last time they were there And he opted not to go He didn't Ooh. go to their set And for whatever reason I don't know who else Was playing that night But he said It was the biggest regret That he's had Missing Daft Punk at Lollapalooza in I forget what year probably was 2007, and here he is. the The band's gone, like that regret, and it's not like Def Punk's out here torn all the time because they weren't. So it's not like we had the opportunity to do so, but it's still like you feel like you're missing something. Like it's almost as if you're you're incomplete. But at the same time, nothing's ever truly over.
0: Yeah, at at the same time, the uh, the timing of the whole thing kind of made it sting even more. Because the weekend just played the Super Bowl, right? Yes. And the whole time, I was on the Daft Punk subreddit saying, they're probably not going to show up. They haven't toured since 2007. They haven't done a live appearance since they won the Grammy for Random Access Memories. They're probably not going to be there. But the weekend is there, so I'm hoping against hope that they'll show up. And then he did, I feel it coming. He used the robot's vocals. And they did not show up. And uh, Hayden was throwing a COVID-compliant Super Bowl party with a small group of friends that I happened to be there with. And I was making conversation and saying, I kind of hope Daft Punk is there. And these are people that I've never met before or have (laughs) limited interaction with. So so then the news breaks and he's getting texts from those friends saying, hey, is your buddy okay?" (laughs)
2: Yeah, <laughs> because all they knew about me was I really wanted to see Daft Punk, which I thought was funny just because I know you would talk. You were like, oh, it'd be so cool if they showed up. But I didn't think they got the, you know, they didn't. T- I, I was surprised their only takeaway from you was that, oh, he's the guy who really likes Daft Punk. Is yeah. he OK? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the answer was no, I was not OK. Yeah, I was like, he's he's uh he's been having a moment. Um, It's been a rough day, but I think I think he'll be OK
0: i was I was damn near having a meltdown on our discord where I was going through YouTube and looking up music videos, movies, live appearances, and posting about them and like <laughs> sad posting about "Oh, this was so good and was also ten years ago but i I tried to confine it to my personal channel but
1: that's a thing where like of a, a group or like just an artist makes such an impact in popular music. With making such sporadic appearances, and like you said, Chris, they haven't toured as a group since 2007. That was 14 years ago, and yet here we are. Daft Punk—they break up on a random Monday, and the entire internet's like, "No!" Like it's like we miss, like we missed them so much, and like just their presence. Like I'm not going to front. Not too long ago, uh, I was—I don't know why. Don't don't ask me why I was doing this, but I was. I got caught in a Grammy wormhole and I okay. got to and I got into 2014 where um they where they won all these Grammys for random access memories and um and I wasn't too familiar with how these robots did appearances. So like it was cool seeing them there, but I was I was so fascinated because they had Niall Rogers speak for them. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like wait, like what the hell is going on? But at the same time, it's like, damn, that's the last time we've seen them in person. Obviously, like, I forget when Starboy came out, but I think it was a couple of years after that. But still, like, Daft Punk's presence within popular music and within hip-hop, really, it's so, they're so influential. So it was like a gut punch to see them go, especially the way they did. But I'm not gonna front Chris again. Like, when I heard the news, I thought of you. I did think of you.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: And I'm like, oh my god. I think of you more than you, than you expect me to, Chris. Uh, but I I'm like, oh my God, like this is like obviously it's someone's favorite artist. And to me, like like Chris, like you're the the biggest fan of Death Punk that I know. I'm like, well, like that's some real shit. And the fact that you're like you were so passionate about it. And you and you were awestruck and in, in tears. Damn, like that's like these guys aren't dead, but they're just gone. Like they're not making music anymore and that's the fact that they're still around and they're not being the robots that we know them as they're probably I don't know like just what what a what a bummer especially during this covid stricken world that we're living in
0: right and and until you brought it up I kind of forgot that uh, among several playful spats we had one of them was about whether or not Kanye stronger was better than the original or not <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, cuz i i mean
1: um i that's a hill at the time apparently i was willing to die on i do remember <laughs> you, that you really were <laughs> i <laughs> i love a great sample i remember um from that conversation because you had seen something where daft punk was credited as a feature and i said no chris kane sample daft punk And that was a that was a whole side debate that we had, like like yeah, like we we agreed to disagree on the songs, but then it's like oh yeah, Kanye West featuring Daft Punk. No, Chris, that's not what happened. And I (laughs) we got mad at each other all over again. (laughs) But again, like dude, I I will. The idea, I mean, when when Kanye West just if I can find a, a thing to equate it to, like Kanye West has a meltdown every few months. It feels like sure like a public meltdown and uh like to like because i'm such a big fan of him i hate seeing people i hate seeing my favorite artists go through that like and i and i know like we'll never know them as personally as we would like to know them but watching the folks that we admire that that mean a lot to us that have done a lot for us without even knowing it and seeing them go through hardships or go away from music like it's a hard pill to swallow because it's like, damn, we're out we're just out here the innocent bystander. Like, what are we gonna do? Jack shit. Just watch them go through what whatever they're doing, or in Daft Punk's case, not say a word about it and just go away.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up and took the conversation that way, because I I, I think the the point I want to make with this little bonus episode here, not only that I wanted a chance to speak on the influence of Daft Punk on my life, but also because I think we are at an interesting crossroads at this particular moment, which, I mean, I think, granted, to make this conversation happen, you can really pick or choose anything, and it's always a good time to have the conversation, but this is the, the, uh, the reason I'm doing it right now. Um, with division having just wrapped up, and there being a whole debacle about uh, fan theories and what people think they were owed with what came from division, and just in general, Marvel starting back up, uh, Star Wars getting more entrenched in that franchise nature, I think there's a conversation to be had about the nature of fandom and why exactly a 25-year-old man would again be crying in his bed because his favorite band broke up. So I guess I want to open that up first and ask either of you two if there's ever been a time in your life where either a band broke up or a content creator left... Uh what was there ever a moment that left you similarly distraught? Oh
1: jeez. Oh wow. Um I mean, it wasn't really a content creator like how we know them today, but I remember when Stanley had passed away. Um and when like I Stanley obviously like the the Marvel creator and writer and he's done all this incredible stuff um, he was such a big presence still within these Marvel films and the Marvel um like zeitgeist. Like people st- a lot of people like seeing Stan. And when he had passed away, it was it was almost like a part of the fun was gone. Because, like, not only like, yeah, the cameos, whatever in the movies, who cares? But it's like the, the guy, the, the guy that spearheaded these things. Guy that the guy that created my favorite character in all of fiction, like he's gone now. Like the the guy that who still gets all this love from us, and I always had this regret of not meeting him when I could have. Just I mean, and I guarantee thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people told Stanley, "Oh yeah, like Spider Man means so much to me." But that was me too. Like that was like I without all this Marvel stuff, I wouldn't be who I am today like talk i I can i've got on i've gotten on multiple soapboxes in my life over podcasts just like these talking about how how awesome spider-man is and stan is always i oh i still watch videos of stanley talking about these characters and when i vividly remember him passing away and then the next day um i was doing uh chris i was doing a shut-ins back at state and um I was just like on the brink of tears talking about Stan. And like I said, I never met him. And he, he's not like, it's not like someone retired or someone like a band breaking up. It's like someone legitimately passing away. But just for a second, like the the, the discourse turned turned from, oh, like let's speculate this next Marvel movie to, oh my God, like the guy who who started all of this, a lot of the fun for us. Is gone now, and how are we gonna go about that? And like I was that that's the first one that popped into my brain, if that's anywhere close to what you're what you're asking. Sure, I think so. Like I it was it's and it's still I watched a video about Stan or him doing a, a convention appearance a few years ago, and you can just tell like my man's not looking too hot, and like he's still he was still there and giving these these. Great answers to questions from fans, regardless of how dumb the question may have been. He always he always gave a shit, and I my one my one one of my regrets in my life is never going out of my way to meet Stanley, and I really wish I did. Hayden, do you have anything
2: similar? Mine mine are kind of adjacent. Um, I know one that would have been a thing for me would have been when the Naruto manga had ended. Um, it the reason why it was not was because I got into it too late. Like, I didn't start reading... The, the manga ending is what made me start reading it. Interesting. Um, Because this was right around when I started watching anime in general. So this was around uh, 2013, 2014, around that time. um. But, you know, I, so I just sped run the hell out of it. But getting to the end of it, I was like, wow, if I had been growing up with this, this would have uh, probably been a pretty emotional moment for me you can argue uh (laughs) how well the writing of naruto was down (laughs) the the stretch of it but you know i I can tell you for a fact i will feel very similar once one piece is over oh i'm sure Um, that'll hit you even harder yes now like i haven't been on the one piece train for all 20 plus years at this point but um i picked up one piece around the same time so i've been on One Piece for at least six years, and and man, when that ends, boy, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a a day. Um, that I uh, the way Oda's going, I probably won't have to face that for a couple more years now. But you know, it'll happen eventually. But um, another one that I have that is kind of uh the exact opposite of what you probably where you had gone through with Daft Punk is um the way game of thrones ended okay because here you have a sh- a series that you know like many of the marvel intricacies of oh well, what are they going to do with this what are they going to do with that the fan theories for game of thrones were endless and i mean there were the, the it had hype that i hadn't really been old enough to be able to fully appreciate the other shows in the past might have had like a, a sopranos or breaking bad you know these shows that controlled the cultural talk the if, to use an old ass analogy you know all the water cooler talk would have been about that you know that was what at least for me what it was it was that kind of a show and then for it to um basically make no one give a shit was a different kind of emotion um <laughs> because I, I i've talked about this all the time of it, I, you, it went from a show where you're like, oh, I can't wait to just rewatch it and just, you know, feel all this again and have this satisfying ending to I, I have not watched, rewatched a single episode since that show ended. And coming from like a huge Lord of the Rings fan that I am, and like, I've rewatched those movies countless times. I, it's it's a little bit of the literal opposite of a um not ending. A, it was an abrupt ending for sure uh but not one that had the sa- nearly the same um emotional and kind of i i I would almost say re- joyous reflective time cuz i I know for you like and correct me if i'm wrong but you know yeah it ended it sad but you can look back on it and find all these hopefully uh positive memories or maybe not positive memories but you can re- recall these emotional times you had enjoying their music their content and then for game of thrones to end and you to basically just go at least for me just go well f- f- fuck this like i i know the rest of there was a lot of good stuff here but like damn the ending was awful and i don't even care to watch it so a little bit of the exact opposite and i don't know if that's exact again not maybe not exactly what you're going for but it's just interesting to for me it's a i hear you say what you went through with daft punk and go damn I wish that's how Game of Thrones could have been, of, oh, damn, it's over, but god damn, did we go on a journey? And <laughs> I feel like a lot of the fan base of Game of Thrones got robbed of being able to have a similar experience.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's perfectly valid and still totally in line with what I want to talk about here. Um, and and that, that's even closer to the conversation that I think I want to have now. Uh, and I, I don't want to downplay this emotion in any way, because it's, it's even more devastating than anything we're talking about here. Um, but I, I want to say that being invested in a property, whether that's Game of Thrones, Death Punk, or Marvel, right? Getting invested to the point of emotional investment is like having a pet. You have to know at some point that's going to end. And you don't know whether or not it's going to be messy or peaceful. But you get invested because the times you have with it, you would at least hope are going to outweigh the emotions you have at the end of it. And the end, if you're lucky, is only going to amplify the good times you had. Part of being invested in something... Is the the fun of being excited? That's why people speculate on Marvel movies. That's why people watch One Division week to week, and I think that's why, you know, personally, I like being over the top, passionate about things. <clears throat> like I'll be watching a stream from E three, and Microsoft will be doing their big presentation, and they'll show off a trailer for Halo Six, and it's a genuine emotion turned up to 10, that I'll pop off when I see Master Chief on screen again. Because that's fun. Being invested in that way is more fun than saying, oh yeah, Halo 6, you know? But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's like, sure, it's another video game. And sure, Dev Punk is retired. It's kind of whatever. I'm happy for them. It's what they want to do. I'm not going to beat down their door and say, you need to keep making music because this makes me happy. But it's just more fun to have those emotions at the time. And that's kind of why I want to tie it back into WandaVision, where for weeks everyone had these fan theories about Mephisto's going to show up, Nightmare's going to show up, what's going on with Agatha, where's Reed Richards, and none of that happened. And then some people are complaining about that, other people are complaining about complaining about that. For me, it's whatever. Uh, I'm not going to stop doing fan theories. I'm not going to say fan theories not being fulfilled is a detriment to my enjoyment of the show because the nature of the speculation is itself half the fun of watching the content, you know?
1: Totally. Like that's, that's something that, that amplified the hype for WandaVision and for better or for worse, Fan speculation. I mean, it's always gonna be around. I was a part of that group that was like, oh my fisto's gonna show up. Is Doctor Strange gonna show up? Where's Reed Richards? Like I was totally a part of that too. And when the series had ended, um, I mean, spoiler, not a spoiler, none of those things happened. And it was like, oh my God, how about that? And I saw people were pissed. People were I had I had some friends texting me saying, oh, where's the X-Men? Like, no one told you that. <laughs> like like no, nobody said that the X-Men were going to show up Or like Quicksilver is going to be The tie to the Fox universe Like no one confirmed that And I, I'm sitting over here Like oh my god Like I buried myself into this hole And I'm going to accept it But at the same time I'm a part of the the minority that's like You know what I'll swallow my pride I have egg on my face whatever But like you said Chris the The, the speculating And like we care so much about this And we're so invested because of it It's fun it's so much fun. Like going into Infinity War and Endgame, I was speculating up the ass. Like every single character, I thought I had it planned out how their story was going to end in Endgame, and I was wrong about every single one. <laughs> and it did not if anything, because I was wrong, I went into it even more blind than I thought I was. And I got to enjoy the movie and yes, I and I shed some, I got some dirt in my eyes. And like it was it, it was a whole thing, but like that like because we're so invested because we care so much because we're so passionate about it like when i saw rise of skywalker even though the movie's not the greatest it's the end of a saga and i saw people even though they didn't they didn't love the movie it was still the end and because they knew it was the end of of these characters at least until luke skywalker popped up mandalorian but it was the end of the skywalker saga and it's like well damn like we're not going to see these characters again and to to talk about game of thrones i've never seen a fan base turn on a a property that fast. like talk about actually giving a proper ending like def punk they didn't give that proper ending but boy they ended on top like they went away when they're like you know what like i think we're good we're not going to put out an album that's mediocre or not good or it's not as good as our other stuff and have that be the end of our legacy unlike game of thrones where they Half-assed the season, they put it out, and and it ruined and th- the whole thing. And it's it's the most popular show of the 21st century, and people do not talk about it anymore.
2: Oh uh, yeah, it's it's gone. I mean, overnight, it was just gone. From and it's 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 discourse. crazy. There, there should honestly be research papers done about why that happened. Well, and I, I I think that's a there's a, I you kind of hit on some of the stuff. One of the two Chris's, um, <laughs> uh, that I think is a really important part of when what you were talking about with the speculation for Marvel and how you know yeah everyone came in with at it with all these different fan theories and yeah a lot of them might not be right but you're not gonna be disappointed as long as whatever you get is still satisfying in some way. So like specifically for in game, you could have wanted X Y Z to happen, but. I don't think you could argue that the ending to endgame, regardless of what you wanted to see in it, wasn't still fucking awesome. And that's... But then when you take the Game of Thrones thing, where some of the fan theories were... I mean, Jesus. If they were the showrunners, we would have gotten the ending we wanted. But it's like, when, when all the fan theories are a thousand times better than what you actually get, that's when... Being passionate. uh, That's, I think that, uh, Chris, to your point, I think that's what leads people to not care about a property is like when, when just some randos on the internet can all agree that they could have done something somewhat like this and we would have been satisfied. And you don't even get anything that makes you satisfied. That's what makes a whole fan base just give up or not even revisit it. For sure, and I, I think on the on the point of
0: Endgame, uh, you know, if you had like fifty different th- fan theories that all didn't come true, but you you go to the movie theater, and if you don't cry when Tony dies, and if you Ugh. don't cheer in the theater when Cap picks up Mjolnir, you're enjoying Endgame wrong. You're Martin Scorsese enjoying Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, and also some symbol you brought up. Um, and this is also something you can probably talk on better than me, um, but the Mass Effect 3 I was going to say, don't say <laughs> Mass Effect, please! <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, to a lot of fans, they kind of botched the ending of this epic franchise, and then after the fact, there were fan theories crafted to make people feel better about that ending,
2: right? Marauder shields, baby! Sure, I don't know what that means. It's the name of the last uh, enemy you fight before you get shot up so after uh oh god why can't it? harbinger comes down and blasts the shit out of you and you're like all jacked up shepherd trying to get into the beam to go up to the the citadel one final enemy pops up and his name is marauder shields and there are these just stupid i fan theories it's been a while so i might get it wrong but the like these fan theories like he was the true bad guy in the game like <laughs> he, he was <laughs> it was all marauder shields who was gonna try and end everything and But, and then also an alternate theory where fans were just like, I wish you would have just killed us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the big one I'm talking about is the indoctrination theory.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah, I think, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think Marauder Shields had a place in that. But goddamn, the indoctrination theory is one of the greatest fan theories I've probably ever seen because it was so well thought out. And if you, it's like one of those really crazy, like, uh, uh, psych, uh, psychic things. You know where they will say just very vague stuff that you can go, oh yeah, that applies to me. Right, it, it hit that kind of level to where you just believed that it could have been a thing, and I, the, yeah, it was interesting with that because Bioware came out and had their alternate ending that just gave you more uh, cutscenes that still didn't really explain everything. But yeah, oh I d I I don't wanna rehash old wounds <laughs> with how
0: that went. So then in that moment that was like fans trying to cope with what they thought was an unsatisfying ending by building their own. Yeah, and which the I main reason was an it interesting was, phenomenon.
2: The main reason that was so unsatisfying was because you played a game where there are countless different possibilities of characters being alive. Different character or different decisions that you could make. And then to have all of that culminate in one of three choices, pick which color you like best, was kind of a huge slap in the face to just what the whole trilogy had been and been building up to. That even when they came out with the alternate ending endings where they gave you a little bit more information, you were still just like okay this is the best you could come up with. I would have rather it been, no, it was just one ending. Like this is what we picked.
0: Yeah. No, it, it, they, they could have written their own ending and done something more satisfying because of it.
2: Yeah.
1: And that causes more
0: problems than, than it does any good. Like when, when justice
1: league came out, right? Not to bring it back to movies, but when justice league came out and all the, we heard about all the problems that were on set or at the, at Warner brothers, but the movie and fans, took control of that. And they were like, you know what? Like we, we need to do something about this. And like at the same time, for as much good as fan theories can do, uh, fans can do a lot of bad at the same time. Oh, and yeah. like, like talking about the WandaVision stuff, like a lot of people were disappointed. Cause they're like, how dare they explore the grief of a woman that she loses her whole family and di- didn't give us Mephisto or whatever the hell. Like at the end of the at the end of the day, who cares? Like that's not the story that they intended. We are creating the story in our brains, getting us anticipated for things that aren't things aren't happening. But like the Justice League Snyder cut uh, fiasco, for better or for worse, it's happening. Um, at the time of this recording, it's like in a week plus, and yeah, unless you rented Tom and Jerry, unless you rented Tom and Jerry, apparently, which you got to see it early. Uh, which is still insane. <laughs> That's wild. But, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, it's it, Warner Brothers trying to just bury that release. But um, the fans of these things, of these properties or these characters or whatever, become so invested and so passionate to a fault that they have this negative connotation where fandom is almost like a bad thing now. Where if you say you're a fan of something or like the Stan word, like I use that word all the time, but It's not the way that's meant to be used. Like Eminem worded it perfectly all them years ago. But like now, being a fan of something can be a a really good thing and a really, really bad thing. And we're all over social media. We see this stuff. Like we see um, Reddit threads of the most toxic and disgusting things. I've been a part of those conversations getting annihilated for my thoughts on the Snyder cut or what's going on post endgame, whatever the hell and it's it can be so gross because the fans take it into their own hands and they're like oh we're not going to like what what they did so we'll make it better and demand that they fix it because it wasn't what the it wasn't what the fans wanted and the creators of the creators or showrunners or directors didn't put that into fruition and now it's their fault because their vision was wrong and i don't like that like yeah, yeah you're I'm, absolutely right like it's gross, and I know sometimes you have to listen to your audience. I I got I just got done watching Shit's Creek, and it was like the perfect ending to a TV show, like at least to that show in particular. And it only ran five seasons. They they knew when to stop. So I'm like, oh okay, oh no, they ran six. I'm like, okay, I knew when to, they knew when to stop. Great, but shows like The Simpsons, who are going, who just got renewed for their 33rd and 34th, don't know oh when to God. end. So like you have to listen to your fans at some point and now there's that divide like where is that line of where we listen to the fans but also we whoever the hell we is make the best product a la. I mean we and I bet we all saw Justice League and we all hated it or we disappointed by it I should say but like at the same time not everything's gonna be perfect and there are just some fan bases Star Wars is another one um uh there are other big fan bases that are just toxic in every single facet but at the same time you could say that they're all toxic in their own way.
2: You you could we could have a whole separate episode where we just talk about how awful the majority of anime fandoms are.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean it it's it's gross. Like they they there's been some recent stuff. I think it was with some animators for MAPPA because people were shitty at how some of the the CG and animation looks in the last season of Attack on Titan that they're just going after some of these animators at these places on Twitter and they're just like deleting their Twitter accounts because they're getting so much hate. And I'm just like, fuck off people. Jesus Christ. It's like, people don't understand at the end of the day that these are also people. And like, you can be very passionate about any of these things. But at the end of the day, there's people on the other side of whatever hateful crap you're trying to spew on the internet.
0: Yeah, and I think the line between people like that uh and normal healthy fandom, the the only difference is an amount of social awareness. Because I think being invested to the point of wanting to get into fights with people about things, you can do that in a fun way and you can do that in a toxic way, and the important thing is knowing where the line for that needs to be. And that's why Being a fan of something in general can have a negative connotation where, like, when Rick and Morty did the Szechuan sauce thing for McDonald's, right? Um, (laughs) You know, I thought it was fun to go to McDonald's and then, like, be angry with your friends that they didn't have the sauce. What's not funny is getting angry at the people working at that McDonald's that they didn't have the sauce. You, You just need to have an amount of social awareness to know where you need to draw that line. Don't go after the talent because, you know, even if you're trying to make a joke about it, it's serious work to them and they might not understand your very funny and ironic point about it and all you're doing is being a detriment to them and the fandom in general by being passionate to a fault, even though, like I said, that's part of the fun. You just need to know when to stop. And a lot of that was proliferated on platforms like Tumblr, where... Like, stuff like Rick and Morty or Undertale or Homestuck get a bad rep because people take it too far, even though all of those properties are very good in their own way. I mean, Rick and Morty is pretty mainstream popular, but you you have to talk about it in hushed tones around other people because you don't want people to think that you're one of those fans, right? Right. Like, I remember that day of the Szechuan song. <laughs> I remember that day like it was
1: yesterday. I was, I went out of my way. I found the McDonald's that had them. There was hundreds of people lining up around this Mickey D's. And I come to find out they had like one. One, like they had like a handful of these sauce, these sauce packets. Granted, they re-released them later. And um, and I and I can proudly, as a fan of Rick and Morty, I can proudly say I have them. But at the same time, I can't look at them and say, yo, like what an awful rollout. And what a disgusting time to be a Rick and Morty fan. Like, And that's how it was for when The Last Jedi came out with Star Wars. Like, Am I a Star Wars diehard? No, I'm not. I'm not out here naming planets, weapons, and starships. No, it's not a thing. <laughs> but I, I love the movies. I really do. And I love The Last Jedi. And boy, was I in for a shock that it, sp- <laughs> it split the fan base in half. It's either like, oh, you like the Last Jedi, oh, you didn't like the Last Jedi, and I'm out here stuck in the middle, like, hey, we can like what we like, you know, like it doesn't <laughs> really matter, and like it's all subjective. At the end of the day, who cares? And like, it's all Lucasfilm's fault, right? No, it's Ryan Johnson's fault. No, no, it's like wait, wait, no, and it was, and those it's, were around it's the same time. It's actually
2: Disney's fault,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's it's Mickey Mouse's fault. It's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. It's anybody's fault, but Star Wars itself. So. Um like and those were around the same time. They might have been the same year. Um, or at least like the same uh time span. Cause those were definitely the same era. Right. And it and I remember I was I was part of those. Like I had I had the Rick and Morty t-shirts. I was like, Whoa blah dub dub. That was me, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I loved it. I, I love Rick and Morty. But like since then, like I fell off the train. I still haven't seen the newest season yet. Like, and I still love the show. I'll still talk about what I've seen, but like, the fan base definitely can ruin things for people who are within those same fan bases. And the discourse from people outside of them can ruin it, too. Like, we talk about how uh, people, get it, they get a bad rap uh, because of those few bad eggs in a, in a fan base. Well, shit, it's also on us or whoever the hell isn't. Like, for example, Rick and Morty. If I'm not a Rick and Morty fan and I'm watching all these Rick and Morty fans do this disgusting and verbally berate McDonald's workers because they don't have Mulan sauce. Well, it's like, damn, like, so they must be all like that. But it's like, no, that, that that's on us to also not assume that everybody's like that. You know, like, it's not every single person, not every single Star Wars fan's a piece of shit. Like, not every single Rick and Morty fan's a piece of shit. Same thing for Undertale or whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter. It's those bad eggs, but the negativity speaks louder than the positivity. That's for everything.
2: I don't know. Dragon Ball Z fans are pretty fucking crazy. (laughs) They're pretty pretty damn loud too. (laughs) (laughs) They might be the one exception to this.
0: (laughs) I remember seeing The Last Jedi in theaters because we went to see that together and we both walked out of there like, yeah, that was pretty good. And we were talking about the scenes that we really liked and then we get in the booth the next week to do a podcast and we're reading the backlash and we're both like, oh, is that... Okay. Like we're in the minority? What?
1: <laughs> like, like what the hell? Like, that was such a weird time. Cause the Force Awakens is already like, oh man, they just did a new hope again. Yeah, but it's still good. What's your point? And Last Jedi came out, and oh my god, like the 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 abusive the abuse towards uh Kelly Marie Tran, the the backlash that all these actors have gotten the like oh ray's such a mary sue it's like do you even know what that means like <laughs> like you just probably just heard that somewhere and you started using it like it's it was so disgusting to be a part of that to be a star wars fan at that time and i i would go as far as saying and i and i hate to say this out loud now but it kind of tarnished how i looked at solo because solo came out five months later oh
2: yeah it's i don't think you're solo. alone in that
1: yeah like it's yeah. saying and the in the hype or the, i shouldn't say the hype The discourse around Last Jedi sank Solo. That's why Solo wasn't that successful. That's a billion-dollar movie. That's a billion-dollar flick that made not even half of that in May, where Star Wars made its bread and butter. And then about, what, like a year and a half later, we get Rise of Skywalker, and people are still bitching about The Last Jedi. It's like, get over it. It happened. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, great. Like, you can still have your opinion but we let's all go into rise of Skywalker with fresh eyes and then guess what it happened all over again where it's like oh you like rise of skywalker how disappointing like it, it was it was this whole thing and star wars became gross until mandalorian mandalorian right, was saving yeah. grace like that mandalorian brought everyone together and it's like oh hey like you like this yeah this show's great yeah it's fantastic like everyone's loving mandalorian except Gina Carano apparently but besides her, like everybody, <laughs> everybody loved Mando, and even when Rise of Skywalker came out, Disney was like, "Oh hey, but there's a new episode of Mando." And we're all like, "Yay, Mando!" Like we love it. So, uh, Mandalorian definitely saved Lucasfilm's, um, uh, <laughs> like their, their, they they're save, they saved face with Mandalorian. But it's like the fandoms can cause so much bad shit, and it It spreads from within and it just it goes all it goes into all these different social media platforms. That's why Twitter's the worst that like reddit's the worst. That's why every social media platform is the worst because it starts in the core and it just moves its way out and like exhibit a's rise or last jedi with Star Wars,
0: yeah, and like you said that the that third that third Skywalker trilogy, the end of the Skywalker saga was, like, that was the rebirth of Star Wars as a franchise. Whereas then, like, it was a it was a messy birth, but then Mandalorian is like Star Wars growing up and showing us that it can still be respectable and it's okay to be a fan of that. And it's, it's something that we can come together on and agree is very, very good. And the hope is that it'll stay that quality, but who can really say? Because at any point we could have another mass effect or another game of thrones and it could possibly tarnish the whole
2: thing. I think a big thing though is at least for Star Wars and what has saved a lot of Star Wars is one man and that glorious man's name is Dave Filoni where to pitch or to shift that like to Mass Effect, a lot of like yeah the ending to Mass Effect 3 wasn't great and that was the same core group that had done all of them but then like if you so you go okay, yeah. They didn't end it right, and I've said countless times on here and with you, Chris, that ending shit is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's it's hard, especially with huge franchises like Mass Effect. Game of Thrones doesn't have as much of an excuse, I don't think, because it's a lot of it. There there was an author who has an end game planned, and if you used his ending and it, that's what his ending is, okay. Well, he doesn't know how to end it. But like with Mass Effect, they ended it wasn't great. The writing was still good. Then they tried to bring it back with a different team. This is where I'm going at with the Dave Filoni thing. They had a different team. The same team wasn't there creatively. And you get Mass Effect and Andromeda, which is... The story's okay. Uh, the gameplay is good. The technologi- techn- technology side, the actual coding of the game was pretty shit. But then you have Star Wars, you have Dave Filoni, who's got what? three bangers going now he's got the last season <laughs> of star wars clone wars yep. and then both seasons of mandalorian and he's also and been a part of writing rebel rebels as well so like you if you have a guy who just knows what the fandom wants it certainly
0: helps <laughs> god bless people like dave feloni and kevin feige am i right yeah
1: yo funny story about dave Filoni. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about um, I, w- I went to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago a few years ago, and I only went one day with a friend of mine. Um, um his name is Toby. I went with Toby, and um, we were a- we're on the convention floor for legitimately five minutes, and uh, Toby tells me he's like, "Hey, like, is that Dave Filoni?" And um, there's this guy in a baseball cap, just had a booth, just you know, just finding his own business, and I look at him I'm like, "Dude, like, I don't know who that is." Because I, I, I don't watch <laughs> like, i don't watch the animated material so like, i I, di- I didn't know who dave filoni was or if i didn't know the name i didn't know his significance so he walks up to me he's like hey like mr Filoni, like how are you he's like oh hey and it is dave filoni by the way and toby's like hey chris can you take this picture for me i said yeah totally and then literally i know uh, the next year mandalorian would come out and he direct like the best episodes and like he created all these great characters like gave a breath of fresh air to the whole franchise. And I'm like, damn, like I shook this man's hand at the convention. I had no idea who he was.
2: That's crazy.
1: Like, and the second the picture was taken, everyone was like, Mr. Filoni, Mr. Filoni, Mr. Filoni. And it's like, Oh shit. Like we got to go. We just ruined this man's time. <laughs> like on, on the convention floor. Like, cause the second a picture was being taken with a freaking stranger. On a convention floor, not in any cosplay or anything, just a guy in a jacket and a hat. Like people are like, "Oh shit, that's that's the guy." It's like seeing George Lucas at one of these things. like that was the hype. And Toby and I yeah. ruined this guy's time at um, Star Wars Celebration. Sorry, Dave, but it was <laughs> like it was just so crazy. Again, that people like that know how to make good content, but know how to also please the fans. Like he was so instrumental to bringing Ahsoka into F- into season two of Mando. And boy, that was a kick-ass introduction to people like oh. me who haven't gotten to spend so much time with Ahsoka. But from what I got, not only was it good for folks who watched Rebels and Clone Wars, but it was also great for folks who did watch Rebels and Clone Wars. Like they watch, like they watched, um or at least oh, they yes. like they they watched like if you watched it or you didn't watch it, you love the Ahsoka regardless. And yeah. I was so like fascinated by this, and not too many folks do that. Like John Favreau is also really instrumental in that too. And if we're talking Mando, I want to definitely name drop him as well. But um, I'm still not over Game of Thrones. I've never watched it. <laughs> I, I've never I've watched two episodes of Game of Thrones, and it was the first two. And I thought to myself, "No, nah, this ain't for me." But I watched a friend of mine, my room, my freshman roommate in college, love the show over time. And become the biggest fan. He has, um, he has Game of Thrones tattooed on his body. Ouch! And, and I watched him watch the finale, and he said, "What the fuck was that?" And I said, "Oh, I'm like I'm gonna go <laughs> be over here and like the things I like that won't disappoint me." So, like, it, and that's and that's the thing, right? Like I'm, I will never get over Game of Thrones. Like I know we talked about this already, but I, I cannot get over it. Like it was the biggest show of this century, of our lifetimes, nothing will touch Game of Thrones. Nothing will touch Game of Thrones. Like the walk, early Walking Dead can try. Uh, sopranos can try. Uh, the Wire can still um, try to find a, a life um, in this cult world that we're living in. But yeah, um, Game of Thrones was massive. And one day it ended and no one talked about it ever again. The fans, instead of talking shit about it, they just stopped talking about it, which to me, yeah, silence is so much more power, it's so much powerful than talking yeah, shit about it. Yeah, they turned
0: it into apathy. It, it, was, it, was, it was anger for a minute and then complete apathy. Because, I mean, like yeah. Hayden said, people can't even enjoy the earlier seasons anymore. It ruined the whole franchise. And Hayden, when you said that, when you said I can't even bring myself to rewatch it,
1: like, that is nuts to me. Because, yeah, like, I, you, like yeah. you know that it ended. And, like, like Chris, like, going back to Daft Punk, like, they didn't release an album that was mediocre at best, right? Like, they went out on top, and you have gone back and re-listened to all their, all their music, and you said, this is all great. And I'm so glad they didn't drop another album that was not great to tarnish what we just had, to tarnish their legacy in any way, shape, or form. But that's what Game of Thrones did to a T. Game of Thrones did exactly that. Great season upon great season, from what I've heard, great season great season great season and then the last one happened and pfft, nothing like, like I,
2: nothing it it, it should, just went away ugh. the first five seasons are some of the best television i will probably ever watch and and then 6 and 7 aren't bad like you can't have banger or you can't have 8 seasons of straight bangers i don't think i don't know any show that has had at least 8 seasons hell at least five seasons where every single season is like a 10 out of 10. So like, obviously they were going to have some that weren't as good, but yeah, it goes like one through five tens, seven or six, uh, probably eight and a half, seven, uh, seven. And then eight was like a three. And it was so bad that you're just like, yeah, I don't care. I just don't care. <laughs> I almost wish I had, I had actually watched Game of Thrones because
0: the dumpster fire that ensued was, honestly, it's downright fascinating. Right. That's, all, that's what I'm saying. And people are telling me now, Chris, like, you should give, give, you should give Game
1: of Thrones another shot. And I said, man, like, not that I have a bad taste in my mouth, but I have a bad taste in my mouth from y'all talking about it or the lack of discourse about it still. Like, the actors from the show like, <laughs> like
2: oh, they don't even care
1: they don't even talk about it like <laughs> like and none of them have really like broken out since like who's gotten the most work out of all of them since Game of Thrones Sophie Turner like like who like Maisie Williams was in New Mutants but nobody saw that so like it was like I, I don't understand the the phenomenon that was Game of Thrones and how it just fall off the face of the earth just from fans giving up and you can tell, like, it didn't help that the actors gave up on it, too. And obviously the, the writers gave up on it as well. But I was, so I'm still fascinated, still fascinated by it. And one day I'll watch Game of Thrones. One day I will. I know I will. But not no, anytime I, I soon. Won't. I
2: know I won't. Oh, I, I would still recommend it. Because, like I said, those first five seasons are some of the best television you will probably ever watch. No, and that's, and I
1: and I totally get it. Like, I know there's a lot of great TV I haven't watched. Like, I, it took it took someone almost half a year to convince me to give Cobra Kai a shot. And that's Cobra <laughs> Kai, right? And I love Cobra Kai. Like, now i I binged all three seasons in, a, in, like, two weeks. But I'm like, yo, like, this is, like, just because I know that Game of Thrones ends disappointingly, or in a disappointing manner, like, I don't want to watch it. Because if I told you, hey, Hayden, like, go watch this movie, but the ending's not the greatest. Like, the ending's actually, like, it made it made me not want to watch the movie again. Like, would you take yeah. that recommendation? And that's just two Probably hours. not. Right. And, I, like, and with Game of Thrones, that's hours. Like, because every episode's, like, an hour long. So it's, like, hours and hours and hours. Just to know that if you Google Game of Thrones, you will still get people not talking about the biggest show of the 21st century. Which I, yeah. I, I still cannot fathom that. Like, fans can sink a whole show even after the fact, like, because they were shitting on it while it was on air, HBO definitely heard, but after the fact, they were still mad, like Chris said. But after that week, it's like, all right, on to the next thing, whatever that next thing was.
0: Well, boys, I think we did it. I think we solved fandoms. Fuck yeah. You're damn right. I hope we did. So, thank you for indulging me on again this uh, singular vanity project where I got to have therapy for my loss of Daft Punk. Um, no, man.
1: You're good. You're good. And I'm I'm glad you you trusted us with this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Chris, uh, thank you so much for stopping by and joining us for this very special episode. Uh before we go, how about you plug some pluggables and tell the people where they can find you? Totally.
1: Um well, first of all, thank you, Chris and Hayden, for allowing me to come on your podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um any any time that um y'all want me, just holler at me. Chris knows where to find me. Uh or Hayden, if you want to find me too, just I'll I'll give you my number. That's cool but um, um you can find me on uh, my podcast for chris's sake chris apostrophe wherever you find your podcast, uh spotify apple music or not apple apple podcast all that jazz um you can also find me on youtube um at um this is a long title bear with me uh it's who are they question mark real Two ease entertainment um i do a variety of projects on there as well and you can hear me talking about wrestling. You can hear me talking about uh, movies all the time. So uh, check out Who Are They? Question mark Real, 2 E's Entertainment. I'm on there. And my personal podcast, For Chris's Sake. C-H-R-I-S apostrophe. Uh, thank you, guys. This is a lot of fun.
0: And uh, thank you to the listeners for checking us out this week. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. And if you're listening literally anywhere else, tell a friend and get us inside more ears. So, Chris and Hayden, thank you for joining me this week. And I think that's going to do it. So, we'll see you next week.